PGA Nation, we are back. We are back with another week, and we are finally on the Florida swing. How exciting it is with the Honda Classic at PGA National. And this is a special week for many reasons. The Florida swing starts, which is always fun, heading down to the Sunshine State. We have officially kissed, kicked off the draft cast. We're having a draft, and we brought in a special guest. Not just anybody to kick off the draft cast. We brought in Jason Sobel of the Action Network. And if you gamble on golf, which you do, because why would you listen to our show if you don't gamble on golf, um, then you know who Jason Sobel is. So this is a man who needs no introduction. Jason, thanks for coming on, man. What's up, boys? Happy to be there. What a, what a shitstorm of a day. I mean, with all the Phil stuff going on, uh, I'm glad I got all my, uh, my prognostications, all my research done uh, yesterday so we can kind of get focused on the Honda Classic here, but I, I know how good you guys are. I'm just, I'm happy to be here. And I hope I don't embarrass myself, quite honestly. In this <laughs> well, um, I'm trying to pull myself out of the gutter after coming in last place last week. Spencer is on a hot streak, winning two drafts in a row. So that's going to have to change this week. So obviously we brought in a ringer to take him down. Thanks, Jason. A lot of pressure on you this week. Uh, but right. see, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Jason. First of all, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really love this sort of format that, that we've chosen to do our show by. And to have you here and to be able to have you, you know, drafting players like us, I think you're going to feel kind of like that same, like sort of, you know, that fantasy draft feel that we feel and the audience feels. And, and just so the audience knows, we, we've got quite a few of you, you all in there. You are going to be drafting with me. So my picks are going to be the audience picks. I'm not going to choose. You guys are going to choose. You guys are going to do the nominations just like normal. And I like when I see kind of like a, a dominant name, I'll just go ahead and pick that for our team. So the audience team is also my team, just so that we don't have to go five wide. But Joel, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to do this draft. I'm excited for the Florida swing. These guys are 45 minutes up the road from me. So that's kind of cool. I'm going to try to get there this week. We'll see. It, 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 I've got some uh, potential scheduling issues, but I'm excited. Even though it's a slightly watered down field, that doesn't mean from a from a DraftKings standpoint, doesn't matter to me. Let's go. Let's get after it. I'm not going to go as far as to call this a JV field like I sometimes do. It's not quite that weak. We have some of the guys in there, but yeah, it's it's watered down for sure. But the one thing I think DraftKings did a great job pricing this week because it's challenging to find those value picks. You know, a lot of these guys you know, are priced appropriately. So you got to pay up for the right guys and you really have to choose wisely to find value, which is what is going to make this draft format so interesting because you're going to find out who we're valuing in those lower tiers. So before we dive into the draft, let's just get started with the best course breakdown you're going to find in the industry. Spence, give us a little breakdown on what you're looking for at PGA National. Yeah, here's the thing about PGA National and pretty much any course inside the Florida swing that we get yearly. Water will be the undoing for many golfers, and it only takes a few poor shots to find yourself outside of the cut line when things begin to spiral. We start to get a glimpse of that when we look at the 15 holes with water in play and 26 total hazards littered throughout the venue. But it's important to note that the major difference between what we have in front of us this week and what we saw at Riviera Country Club is the penalty behind a bad shot doesn't allow you to scramble out of the rough to salvage your score. Instead, an errant drive or approach will be waterbound. And as we all know by now, a one-shot penalty can quickly balloon your total, especially when traps are everywhere at the property and the misses start to compound on top of each other. So the bear trap holes of 15, 16, and 17 will garner most of the headlines for the difficulty they present. 
but holes five, six, and seven are almost equally as challenging for the field. The cut line has ranged between one over and seven over since 2007. And we have gotten nine occasions of the Friday total being four over or higher for those that have made the weekend. Uh, you know, I think Sia is going to get into this a little bit. Uh, we were talking about this off air. Wind doesn't seem like it's going to be a massive factor this weekend, but I will note that anytime that you have these courses in Florida, wind can creep into play. It's one of the reasons why PGA National has finished inside the top 10 tracks in terms of difficulty in 12 of the past 15 seasons. Uh, but just to get into my model very quickly, and I'll keep this short so we can get into the draft, but I started with four different strokes gain metrics. Uh, I won't go into the specifics of them. The first one, though, was strokes gain total at difficult courses for 12.5%. I did 7.5% on strokes gain total in moderate to severe wind. You could lessen that a little bit based off of the wind if we're not going to have it. 7.5% when it comes to strokes gain total at short par 70 courses. And then I ended that first portion with 10% on strokes gain total on fast Bermuda greens. And then the rest of my version is what you would expect from me from a given week. I did 22.5% on a weighted tee to green that mimics PGA National. That's essentially a redistribution of off the tee, my weighted proximity totals between 125 and 200 yards, and around the green. I did weighted par 3 for 12.5%. Par 3 scoring has been the most impactful of the scoring ranges that we get this week. The real answer to that is water, but I tried to look at the broad spectrum of the ranges and attempted to mix together some of those weights. I did a proximity plus bogey avoidance for 10%. 65.1% of second shots take place from 125 yards and beyond. And 11 holes present a 19% bogey or worse rate. I did 5% on sand safe percentages. Uh, that's going to be your 107 bunkers that come into play. And then I wrapped it up with 12.5% on ball striking. That was a 50-50 split of distance and accuracy to form total driving. And then a 70-30 split of total driving versus GIR percentage to come up with my ball striking total there. That's the short it. version. That's the short <laughs> version, folks. Abridged. How about Listen, that? You're going to want to watch that back and just make sure you get those details before you make your last because that is, that's great information before you build your lineups this week. Hey, Joel, before we get into the draft, I do want to, because uh, Jason Silva has been being mentioned in some of these uh, these comments we have in the chat. So I'll just read this one out. Wow, this is crazy. Caught the Sobel and the Caddy Show for the first time today. And bam, he's here with the Wind Daily crew. And I rarely catch the show live. Looks like a good week for me already. <laughs> Where have you uh, been? We've been on the air for like two years on PGA Tour Radio. But welcome to that show. And I'm glad to join you guys here too. So that's uh, somebody's great. Somebody's getting a little double dose. Yep. And then we've got Steven Pilardi, otherwise known as Sicily Kid. I've been trying to get to outgun Sobel for years. He keeps on taking everyone's bullets away. Pretty standard there. I love it. Uh-huh. Courtney, thanks for joining us. Danny, brothers. William, Neal. Uh, Ivan, as usual, Jason Mizrahi is in the crowd. Carmen is in the crowd. Edward Gale. Uh, and there's one more question before we get into the to the the actual draft. Jason, any chance you caddy again is the question. Yeah, I got my old caddy bib right over there. Caddied for Brendan Steele at the 2018 BMW Championship uh, with a guy named Phil Mickelson in the group uh, back when he used to play the PGA Tour. Um, so we had a great time. I am available for any player out there. I, I will tell you guys, we shot 68 that day. I defy most other PGA Tour caddies, almost any other PGA Tour caddies, to have a better scoring average than I have. One round, 68.0 scoring average. Spencer, you got all the stats. Is there a caddy alive that has a better scoring average out there than I do? I don't think so. It sounds like you're number one in that stat. 
I, I, I mean, I'd really have to get paid by somebody to put that on the line. So uh, well, it's out there. Uh, I'll do it, but it, it's, you know, you got to pay me. Listen, the Saudi league is looking for some new caddies and they're making you a big offer. So <laughs> are we breaking oh, news boy. right now? Uh, after what I'm in the middle of writing, uh, I'm literally halfway through a Phil Mickelson column. I'm pretty sure I won't be able to take the Saudi money once I'm done with this. Thing. <laughs> I can't wait to read that, Jason. Uh, Joel, okay, so sorry for indulging there. Um, again, audience, be ready. When it's my pick, that means it's your pick. So we're going to want nominations in the chat. But Joel, carry on. Sorry about that. All right, so let's reiterate the rules again. We're drafting a real DraftKings lineup within the salary. This is going to be a snake draft. Order is going to go Spencer, me, Jason, and then the audience is going to be drafting with Sia tonight. So uh, the audience, you still get your team. The way it's going to work is you're going to make your nominations like you do always. And then um, the Sia will pick one of your nominations. So instead of waiting for a double nomination, Sia is going to pick one of the nominations for your player. That's going to be the fourth team. Let's dive right into it. Spencer, with the first pick, you are on the clock. I want to preface it by saying this is a very difficult tournament. Um, I had a hard time trying to break down this board. And, you know, I've been making this joke for the last couple of weeks when I keep giving myself the number one pick here. But I don't think that I needed to do this and give myself the number one pick and go this route. I think if I could have been fourth and gone that range and been completely fine. But, uh, you know, I'm born and raised in Vegas. And there's a saying that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I'm going to go with that moniker here, and I'm going to take Jonathan Vegas at $8,500. Uh, just to give a little bit of insight into that, he's eighth in my model with ball striking. Uh, his game has been trending in the right direction here recently, and he's averaging over four shots tee to green over his last eight tournaments. I think he might be sitting on a big result right now. And to me, he is my favorite play on this board. Uh, so I'm going to take him when I get a chance to. Hmm. And I want to add there, he's he's fifth in my model somehow, and I thought my model was broken, and now I feel like somewhat justified for for Spencer's pick there. So feeling pretty good about that one. I love the Vegas. Like, I did not think he was going to go first overall, but yeah, I mean, I like Vegas this week, but okay, now I'm surprised. I like it. I mean, if you're on him, I might be on him a little bit more. Um, but that leaves me my guy. I was locked in. I'm locked in all week. I already have an outright ticket on. I'm going all in this week on – Brooks Kepka. Oh. I know Brooks likes this course. I know from inside information, by inside information, he, he shot like a commercial there because my parents lived down the street. Uh, but that's the best I got. I think he's going to play well. <laughs> he's been playing well. He's a, ahead of, I think he's a good price for this field considering his talent. I think he's, he's going to go with my first pick. Joel, I'm going to give you a little stat here. I went and looked it up four times in the past two years. Brooks and Chase Kepka have played in the same PGA Tour event. In three of those instances, Brooks missed the cut. One of them, the Travelers last year, he finished this year in fifth place. But the other three, he missed the cut. And I know people say, well, what does that matter? Why does it matter what Brooks does when Chase is playing? Well, I've got a little theory. It's a little conspiracy theory that Brooks might only be playing because they gave an exemption to Chase. And when they give an exemption to little bro, big bro kind of goes, hey, I did my job. I'm done. Uh, let me do a check out for the weekend. So I don't think Brooks is not going to try. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to win, but we all know that he lacks a little motivational desire at times. And this could be one of those weeks. So uh, the way I heard that is he's due. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's exactly how you can translate that. <laughs> all right. I guess I'm on the board, huh, boys? Jason, That's right, you're on the Jason. clock. 
I, I was very interested to see if you guys were going to go top of the board, bottom of the board, start from the middle. Uh, I hate to do this. I, I promise. You guys have Darn me out again, and I will not go chalk. I'm going absolute chalk because, quite frankly, I don't like a lot of the guys at the top. I don't like Louie. I don't like Neiman coming off that victory. Berger's still got that back injury. I think it's maybe a little worse than he told me a couple of weeks ago in Phoenix. Kepka's already gone. Fleetwood is way too overpriced this week in every single format. Don't mind Horschel, but I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself here because, uh, look, at some point you're going to have to spend up if you don't do uh, just a balanced lineup. And so I'm going to spend up all the way and take some JM, who seems like uh, the free bingo square on the board this week. One last year, he was eighth, uh, or one two years ago, he was eighth last year, of course. Uh, the guy's really good tee to green, and he's really good around the greens. That's kind of what it takes this week. That's a perfect combination. So I'm in on Sungjae. Darn. I was really hoping he'd fall. I mean, not that it's my pick. It's it's the audience and me. But I was really hoping he'd fall because I knew the audience was going to be all over that. I absolutely love Sung J.M. as well this week. So um, it's nomination time. So the audience has already nominated a couple. I'm going to get so I have back to back picks. So I want everybody to kind of throw in some names. It looks like one guy. I, I definitely kind of I'm you forced my hand on one of them. So Billy Horschel is definitely the first pick. Not necessarily who I would have gone with, but when I see four names in a row type Billy Horschel pretty much at the same time, I have to go with that. And here's my second pick, and I'm glad this guy got nominated more than once. Uh, I really I really like uh, where Keith Mitchell's game is trending right now. And obviously I like his form at this course, but I, I really like the, the recent form. I'm not really scared off by his price tag. I mean, it's obviously a little bit higher than you want to pay for Keith Mitchell, but uh, just, just a great course fit. And the audience seems to think uh, that he is also a great course fit. So you can stop nominating, at least for this round, for team audience, because it's going to be Billy Horschel and Keith Mitchell to start off our squad. A lot of Bermuda like specialists yeah, to start bullish. that team. Yeah, I, I'm as bullish uh, on Keith Mitchell for this season, as I am almost anybody on the PGA Tour. I've got him, Aaron Wise, Matthew Wolf as guys that I think are really going to take a big step up from wherever they are right now. What's funny is that Keith Mitchell won this event three years ago, big long shot, I think 250 to one that week. I actually don't love him on this golf course, but he's a guy that I will have some investment in because I don't want to miss out. If I like him that much long term, I don't want to miss out in the short term. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. And Jason, right. it is back to you. Back to me. Look, I went chalky with the first pick, so I promise that I won't do it the whole time. I've got to go deep down the board for uh, my next pick. And guys, I don't know if you saw this. There was a 16-for-1 playoff earlier this morning. The Monday playoff, uh, Monday qualifier bled into Tuesday morning for a playoff. Rick Lamb got through with an eagle on the first X roll. I'm not taking Rick Lamb. The guy I am taking is Chase Seifert who last year finished in third place. Coming into the week, he was the first alternate, played the Monday qualifier, got into the playoff, didn't get through the playoff. As soon as he finished, Tyler Duncan WD'd, and Seifert got into the field. Now, looking at him, there's a huge discrepancy between the betting markets and the DFS value. DraftKings has him in the betting odds uh, in, the, in their book at 60 to 1. Which I mean, Chase Seifert, the same number as Patrick Reed. And a shorter number than Ricky Fowler really doesn't make much sense to me, but he's only 6,400 in DFS. I think that's a smash play. I'm looking for some lower price guys, especially if I'm loading up with Sung Jae in there. So Chase Seifert's my guy here. I absolutely love that analysis and that play. That That's awesome.
Yeah, you got to pick someone in the 6K range to counteract Sanjay. I think, yeah, you, you hit some. You hit some. It's probably like I always say, I don't like diving down to the 6K range, but I think Seifert's a good play for this week. So that's a good pick. Um, all right. I got to follow up Brooks. I got to do, I got to, I can't spend all my money here. So I got to find some salary saving. Um, I'm going with a guy I don't normally like to play, but again, it's a little bit of a watered down field. The price is right for him at 7,800. He likes to put on these Bermuda greens. I'm going to go with Denny McCarthy. Good pick. Solid pick there. No, he, he he had third. He was tied for third here last year. So, you know, he has that pedigree. He missed the cut the previous three. So it's not consistent, but we got to go off the momentum from last year and hope that that, that rides into this, this year's uh, tournament. Hey, guys, I want to ask you before we move on. You guys have all these optimizers and tools that you use. I'm terrible at trying to predict ownership. I was just sort of spitballing, thinking Denny McCarthy might be right there, if not atop the ownership uh, levels this week, that – Close to it. What do you guys think? I, I just thought 7,800 is a really good price for him. People are going to look at the fact that he's got four top 15 finishes in his last seven starts. He was third last year, as Joel said. It seems to work out that I think a lot of people would be on McCarthy this week. But what do you guys think? The early projection I'm seeing for him is at about 11%. So oh, it's, wow. you know, okay. average. It's not low, but not high either. Yeah, okay. That's, that's interesting. I thought it would be double that. So I'm way off there. Still, though, that's significant. Well, it, 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 in some way, it's significant. In other words, I mean, I think people are on to that train of thought, Jason, because otherwise, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I know it's a watered down field, but I would I would have guessed, you know, uh, uh, just a middling player that wasn't popular, would, w- who's playing or who has decent history here would be like in the 7% range. So 11 significant to some degree. No, Levin's one of the higher people, I guess, if you want to get technical with it in the $7,000 range. And one of the guys who's, more popular is the one I'm going to take next here. Um, we'll decide what I'm going to do on the the second pick that I'm going to make here in a second. But the first guy I'm going to take is Chris Kirk at 7,500. So when I run this from an upside perspective, fifth overall for me in this tournament, when I do my reweighted T to green metric, he is second in this field. I think there's more win equity here than meets the eye now. Very popular. He looks like he's going to be about 14% owned. Uh, But he's one of the guys that I'm fine eating the ownership there. So that will be my first pick. (sighs) The second pick is going to be difficult because I wasn't expecting this guy to drop down to me. I thought somebody would take him before it got back to me on this pick. I have some hesitation. And and if you listen to the Better Golf podcast that I do with Nick Brettwish, uh, you're going to hear some of that hesitation. So it might surprise some people that I'm going to go this route. And I'm not starting this in a very uh, contrarian route. I've taken three guys so far that are a little bit more popular on this board right now. But I'm going to trust my numbers because that's all I can do at this point. And I am going to take Aaron Wise at $8,400. Yeah, I think everybody's a little uneasy about Aaron Wise. I think we all realize the upside is there. But he's just sort of like kind of been a little bit, a little disappointing. Maybe we're expecting too much too early, but I'm curious, Jason, any thoughts on Aaron Wise? Because he's one of those guys that I think people really just want to play in DFS, but I don't, I'm, I'm not sure it's justified. The metrics make it seem like it's justified. But what's your call on, on Aaron Wise? I mentioned him a minute ago, very much like Keith Mitchell. He's one of these guys that I think is absolutely going to pop this season. I think he's going to have a big year. Spoke with him for about 15 minutes, had him on the radio show, 
uh, for PGA Tour Radio that I was doing live out at TPC Scottsdale a few weeks ago. And uh, man, he's just like such a nice, bright kid, uh, speaks very well. He's the kind of guy that you want to root for, very analytical with his own game. I just think he's making too many mistakes right now for me to jump on him this week. I I've had other people like yourselves tell me they really like Aaron Wise this week. And so uh, I'm inclined to kind of lean that way. But I, boy, I've just, I haven't quite seen it yet. I'm going to take a little wait and see attitude towards Wise, but very much like Mitchell, where I don't love him this week, but I love him this year. And I don't want to miss him this week if this is indeed the week that we're supposed to be on him. So I just want to like add, sorry, Joel, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just want to add one thing to that uh, very quickly. And it's kind of to, to what Jason's saying, but he seems to be an underdog in a lot of matchups in these offshore books. That's never a good thing when the sharp money comes in against him on it. I'm going to mm. trust my model here. And, and one of the reasons is, is because when we look at the 67th at the Genesis and then the miscut at the waste management and the farmers, those are POA surfaces. I think on Bermuda, he's a better coastal player than he is on, on a, a POA track more or less with his game. And fifth in my way to T to green metric, seventh at difficult courses. I really love that factor. I think that's something that maybe can play. And he's found you know, moderate success here in the past with a 13th, 35th, and 33rd. So I have hesitation with it. I worry about the pick. I wasn't expecting him to make it back down to me. And, uh, you know, if my roster ends up rounding out the way that it might, you're going to realize this team is going either first or last with the way that it's built. But I like these volatile lineups when we do this. It sounds like we're saying Aaron needs to play a little bit more wise. That would help. I mean, that's, that's, that's a three out of 10. Tops. <laughs> Fair. I accept. I accept. Um, all right. I'm going to, um, I, I'm stuck between two guys here. I'm going to make my pick based on who I think I have a better chance coming back to me. Um, so I also have an eye, obviously, you know, Jason has, the name hanging on the wall behind him of one of the guys that could potentially, <laughs> you know, I'm using the context clues to see who Mike could take. I'm not going to go there. I'll save him for you. Who I'm going to go with is someone who's been red hot. I'm going to try and ride that heater into this week. Uh, and that's going to be Cameron Young. Uh, the price mm. tag's a little bit high on him, but he has been absolutely killing the ball. He's been crushing his driver. His putter's been high, and it's hard to maintain that. But I love his current form in this watered downfield. I think he can really compete for you know, a top 10 or 15 this week. Hey, Joel, one reason to like Cameron Young. Last year, he got red hot on the KFT. After he won, what did he do the next week? He won again. So I think if anyone's looking to fade him after the runner-up finish last week, he seems to do well in bunches. So there is some history there. Like it. Yeah, point. and Cameron Young, like when I was alluding to Wise being the underdog in these matchups, there's a lot of sharp books where Cameron Young's minus 145, minus 150 against Wise. Wow. He's he's eighth tee to green last twenty four rounds, and off the tee he's first last twenty four rounds. He I mean, mashes it, absolutely mashes. All right, well, you guys have left me my favorite outright play for the week still on the board, and I've been working on the name the entire week. If I'm going to pick him to win, I got to be able to say his name, Christian Bezadenhut. I think I did pretty well there. This guy, uh, really good tee to green, really good around the greens. If you look at his three DP World Tour, the former European Tour, wins out there. Two of them came on really tough tracks where scoring conditions were sort of like we'll see this week. So he plays some of his best golf 
in difficult conditions. I don't see him as a guy who's going to go 28 under and win a, a massive birdie fest, but this should be right around what he likes. Played Bay Hill each of the last two years, and I think there's a nice correlation from PGA National to Bay Hill. Tough Florida tracks. He was 18th or better each of the last two years at the API, so I think that should uh, that should mean good things for him this week. And I, I do like him at 50 to one. I like him in the betting markets as well. So as we wait for more uh, votes to come in for the next two players on team audience, um, I, I did want to ask because, you know, I think Bazen who let a lot of people down last week. And I wonder, uh, because I think he's going to be a popular name this week. I wonder if that affected his ownership numbers at all. Probably not. So Joel and Spencer, um, either one of you, can you kind of tell us what the projected, obviously we're going to get like, the real projected ownership from Stephen Pilardi tomorrow at windailysports.com. But can you tell us what it's looking like right now? Yeah, I, I see 13%. It's pretty high. Okay, fair enough. But I so like I guess... the pick. I just want to throw that out there. Like he's yeah. seventh in my model when running it for upside. And this is the exact kind of course that you would expect him to find success on. Yeah. Wow. We have a lot of picks coming in here. Um <laughs> Wow. Okay. So it looks like, it looks like Lowry is a very, Shane Lowry is a very popular pick here. And I, I think you could make similar arguments for Lowry as you could Zednut personally, or that, that's just my impression of this pick is that on, on a tough track with maybe kind of some, some wind involved and some uh, short game involved, I think Lowry probably makes sense. So we're, we're going to go Shane Lowry with one of the picks because he's very popular. And what if I'm I waiting... refuse to put it in? i mean to be honest with you i didn't really necessarily want shane lowry but i understand why the pick was made um i'm looking we're gonna need a couple more nominations because i see a bunch of names but i want more backing from some of these guys like from knox uh aaron rye oh actually aaron rye's our pick because he got nominated at least twice and i happen to like aaron rye as well so we're going to go ahead with Aaron Rye. I love how Aaron Rye's been playing. I, he's he's just been a cut maker lately. And I think in this field, if you're if you've been a cut maker at tournaments like you know, kind of loaded like let's say the waste management for example, you know, where are you going to be in a tournament like this? And and when you look at his metrics again, I'm only looking at 24 rounds. I know a lot of people have a much bigger sampler size, sample size, but 15th tee to green, uh 23rd off the tee, 13th on approach. Um GIRs gained, things things like that. You know, sand saves, you know, a little bit left to be desired there. Putting, a little left to be desired there. But overall, the things I'm looking for in this course, I think Aaron Rye really measures out well. So I'm happy to have him on team audience. I like Aaron Rye as a player. I love Aaron Rye as a person. We had him on the radio show last year. And we, Michael Collins and I were sort of making fun of him a little bit. Like, hey, come on, man. You're on the PGA Tour now. You have iron covers. Why do you have iron covers? And Aaron told this fantastic story about when he was growing up his family didn't have much money his dad spent some big money on him to have a really nice set of irons he said look if you're going to have these though we're going to take really good care of them and he would put iron covers on them he'd wash them down and scrub them every night and Aaron said now that I'm on the PGA Tour I get free clubs it doesn't really matter but I put the iron covers on still because it reminds me of my dad and reminds me where I came from blew me away I thought that was the coolest answer to a question I'd ever heard. So I, I really like Aaron Ryan. I like rooting for him. Hey, Jason, can I ask you real quick before we get to your pick? Um, 
for the like the four people in the world that don't know your radio show or or, or when it's on for that matter um can you kind of just give us an idea i know you're on a, a, a lot of different platforms can you just give us a just a quick annotation of, of all of those real quick yeah I, I you want me to take you through everything i've done the last oh 36 hours or so uh let's see sure um i've done let's see my radio show on uh, sirius xm pga tour radio uh, two to four Eastern time every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday afternoon. I've got, of course, everything with the Action Network, written content, plus a couple of podcasts, all, both called Links and Locks. We do a DFS podcast, and we do a podcast more focused on betting for that week's event. Uh, we also have The Gimme, myself and Amanda Rose, do a streaming show, much like this one, every Wednesday night at 8.30. I do a couple of shows for DraftKings every week. Uh, who else did I do this week? Uh, oh, I did... Something for the tour. I think we're doing a Twitter Spaces tomorrow. Got essentially like where I'm sitting right now. I don't get up for three days, but um, but it's great. I love it. And you, if you guys want to laugh, everyone who watches our show, you know, obviously knows me by now. But uh, my podcasting career was started because of Jason. Actually, uh, he might not even know that, but I don't. Yeah, um, he. I got a huge bad beat in a tournament. Jason saw it, wrote about it. Brought me on, and then I said that to Win Daily, and that's how I've taken off from here. So I give a lot of credit and props to me being able to do this and have this that show. That's awesome. I love that story, Joel. I, I hate the story for you. I hate the bad beat, <laughs> but I love that something good has come of it. For sure. I appreciate you. Just really quickly for all the Win Daily fans out there, too, be sure to turn in to uh, Links and Locks because uh, if you listen to the Better Golf podcast, we have our placement markets on that show, too. So uh, if you like what we do, you know, Jason does a great job on that show. It's one of the best gambling shows out there. So definitely be sure to tune into that show if you're not already. And obviously you can follow him on Twitter. We don't have his Twitter name up there, but he's in he's in all of our you know tweets. He's We, we tagged him in that. And uh, just in case you haven't already seen it, it's Jason Sobel, I-T-A-N. So definitely give him a follow if, if you haven't. I mean, actually, don't give him a follow. Jason, you have too many followers already. <laughs> it's too many. You're, you're tapped out. Send the love our way. This, this is I, not I put, out, I put out that statement. I Nothing special. Trust me. Like, I just put out the statement from Phil Mickelson today about, you know, everything he went through and the apology that wasn't really an apology. And, I mean, we can get into the whole thing. Rex Chapman, of all people, retweeted it. I'm not saying that as some self-fulfilling. Fine. Rex Chapman retweeted. He's got, like, one billion followers. My timeline is absolute dumpster fire right now. When I click <laughs> over after the show and go back to Twitter, there will be a thousand new replies of all these people who know nothing about the situation, nothing about me, nothing about Phil, nothing about the Saudi Golf League, but they just want to get in there because they saw Rex Chapman uh, tweeted it out, and it's going to be an absolute mess. I, I can't go on Twitter for the next few days. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, with that, right. being you said, make you're on the clock. All right. I am on the clock. I probably... Uh, used up my allotted time already, but uh, much like a couple of last few picks, uh, Bezadenhut, much like uh, Shane Lowry, looking for guys who play tough courses really well, guys who, uh, quite frankly, are kind of boring, kind of unsexy guys that you don't look at and go, oh man, this guy's got tremendous upside. I, I want fairways, I want greens, I want routine two butts, I want to stay out of trouble this week. One of the guys I really like to do that is Alex Noren. Alex Noren at 9300 this week. Maybe priced up a little bit more than I'd like him to be, but I still think that he's going to be a really nice fit in this lineup. He's a guy who's a really good uh, ball striker, good iron player, coming off a share of sixth place just a few weeks ago in Phoenix. So you know he's on his game at least a little bit moving forward. I like the pick. Yep. 
I like the way he's been playing. That's a solid pick. Um, your squad's starting to round out nicely. So I got to strategically draft since we're going to be in the same range here moving forward on the guys we're going to be looking at. So mm-hmm. who I'm looking at and, you know, who I'm, I'm going to stick with my, my guy, even though I'm going back and forth. I'm going to go with Russell Knox. Russell Knox has been gaining a ton of strokes on approach over the last, really since the restart in the new year, he has been really crushing the ball. You know, your concerns with Knox are going to be his short game. Uh, but if he can land a few putts, you know, hitting nice, a couple of nice chips this week, I think he can really compete. Top 10 or 15, I think are really in play for him. So uh, that's where I'm going to go here with this pick. And Joel, I can tell you that Model Maniac, otherwise known in the chat as Back Nine Bets, uh, was a big Knox guy. He was he was nominating Knox when it was when it was the audience turn. Um, I think, unfortunately for him and Knox, um, he didn't get a ton of backing. But but I, I absolutely like the pick, and I do want to just kind of point out I, I'm buying time for Spencer since he has back to back picks. But just real quick, see, are you not worried about ownership issues with Mitchell and Rye? I mean, kind of yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of picking what you guys have, and, and I'll tell you over the past four or five weeks that we've done this, the most chalky lineup typically is the audience lineup. And and for the record, that's not a huge surprise, right? Because some of these guys are some of the more popular picks that get put into the chat. But we can definitely, with that in mind, differentiate our team in in the last couple of picks. Um, I think we're probably doing okay because we don't have some of the super chalky guys up up top. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Remains to be seen. We can nominate some contrarian guys uh, for the last two if we want. Well, I'm probably... I would think the leader in the clubhouse right now when it comes to the most chalky lineup that's been put together. And I normally don't try to do that. I mean, if, if you tune into the show, I always try to go contrarian and pivot with it. But Joel mentioned this at the beginning of the show. I think pricing's really good this week. And I don't want to second guess myself in spots and try to overthink the situation. Now, I am going to find somebody that can save me some on ownership here. Unfortunately, it's going to keep going back down this route of being extremely volatile. We've seen it from this guy in the past at this tournament. Uh, first and a second, two missed cuts, a 65th. That's just in the last five years. But it's kind of the same thing with Wise. I'm going to trust my numbers again. Third and weighted T to green. 10th uh, and weighted proximity. That's running it over a two-year sample size when I when I do my numbers with it. So this is not the best version of this guy. But... I'm going to take Ricky Fowler and shoot for the moon at $7,600 here. Uh, We'll see what happens. He made the cut last week, which I didn't think he looked particularly good um, in doing so. So that worries me a little bit. Um, But, you know, he stayed around, made some putts, kind of kept himself in that tournament, uh, at least as far as not like going down the very bottom of the board with it. But um with my next pick, and I hey, think hey Spencer, real quick, if I could interject just a little bit on Ricky. Um, I, I like it for one reason. I was speaking with his caddy Joe Scobbard recently, and I don't think I'm divulging any state secrets here, but he said, Look, uh, everyone talks about the ball striking. The ball striking has actually been pretty good. The difference is he used to make putts from everywhere, and now he's not making anything. So if you think about it, in the events where 19 under, 20 under is winning, well, if you're not making putts, you're not going to sniff anything close to the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. In a week like this where, hey, it might be seven or eight under, Ricky doesn't need to make that many putts. And so if he's not putting great, if he's not rolling in 20-footers for birdie, that's okay this week. And that's a reason I think we could be on him a little bit more than the last few weeks. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you brought up. And he's been relatively good on fast Bermuda throughout his career. So if if they don't need to drop as frequently, I do think this is a good setup for him. Um, 
with my next pick, though, I will take – man, I keep going chalky with every single one of these <laughs> selections. Dude, do, uh, do whatever you want to do, though. Like, maybe the chalky lineup ends up being okay. Well, it's one of two players for me that I'm deciding between right now. And I guess at the end of the show, because I don't want to influence anything um, – Going forward, like, obviously, I'm not going to get this other guy once I name it now. But I'll mention him at the end uh, just to throw it out there that he was the other guy that was in contention for me. I am going to take Michael Thompson at 7,500. I like his course history here. Three top 24s in the past four uh, attempts. Don't love the form that he's bringing into the week uh, with three missed cuts in his last four. But... I'm going to look at the good of what he's done in the past here. And, uh, you know, hopefully I don't regret not taking the other guy. <laughs> well, I am going to make you regret that right now as I take Lucas Glover, who was your other guy. Uh, I was think. it? it? It was not, but I do. My model absolutely loves Lucas Glover this week. Yeah, I love Lucas. Glover. He's got a great history here. Um, I think that's where my, my pick starts from. I was just looking at, um, what he's done here in his last five outings, he's got a 19th missed cut, fourth, 17th, and 21, which are great results for someone below 7,500. Uh, his recent form is really strong. He's been gaining strokes on approach um, and tee to green most of the calendar year. Uh, the concern with him right now is going to be that ownership, which is you know pretty high for where, where I'm taking him. Um, but in this draft format, I think I, I've got different enough with my other picks where I can sum like a little bit more ownership here on this pick. Yeah, I, I like the pick. I, I will say that the guy that I was considering is that exact same price tag, if anybody wants to take a guess on it. Hmm. Okay. I got you. Noted. I see it now. All right. I love this, guys, because I'm, I'm going to try to figure out. There's – okay, I got 15-3 left to spend, so I can spend this much. There's a guy I like here and a guy I like there. See, I think you and the audience aren't going to be able to pay up for the first guy I like, if you do, you got to really dip down into the 6,000. So I'm going to use the strategy and go with the lower price guy that you might like. I don't know, but I'm going with the guy who still probably smells like beer from a couple of weeks ago after that beer shower at 16 in Phoenix. Everyone saw the epic viral video that's gone everywhere since then, the hole-in-one at 16 on Saturday. What people might not realize is that Sam Ryder finished in 23rd place the next day, then went to L.A., last week finished in 26th place, and he's going to a place in his home state of Florida where he finished in a share of eighth last year. A lot of good intersections of recent form and past history for Sam Ryder this week. So I like him, and, hey, if he still smells like beer, I'm okay with that too. That's great. I think Ryder's a super sneaky play. So, audience, before – before you go, just keep in mind, there's 72.50 left for our last two picks. I'm sure everybody already knows that, but I'm just kind of pointing that out. It looks like we have some nominations in here. Uh, just do, yeah, okay. Just do one at a time. Okay, so Garrick Higgo has been talked about quite a bit in this chat by the audience. So we are going to have to go with Garrick Higgo, which leaves us how much left? 7,200. 7,200, Okay. So we have 7,200 to spend. I'm going to assume your nominations are 7,200 or lower. We have Swafford, we have Steele, we have Mark Hubbard. Oh, we got a we got a couple for Hubbard, and, and we got a couple for Swafford as well. Who wants to break that tie? K.H. Lee, otherwise known as Killin Honda Lee, Stuart Sink, Hudson Swafford, 
It's either Swafford or, man, I like the SIG call uh, from David Selly, if that's how you pronounce his last name. All right, I'm going to have to choose one here. And I think we got to go with the guy that was talked about first. Let's go with Hudson Swafford. This is an interesting team. I mean, this is not a super sexy team to steal Jason's uh, terminology there. Uh, you got a couple, you know, higher owned guys, but but a lot of guys that people are probably just going to be afraid to play. So I think that's makes for a very interesting DFS lineup. Yeah, speaking of interesting, I, I like that play with Swafford. Such a good dude, man. I know I keep saying that's about a lot of these guys, but Swafford is such a nice guy out there. So always rooting for him. Uh, it's very interesting because if I was making my own lineup right now, I have 8,100 left to spend. And I'd sit there and go, I really like Russell Knox. I'm going to max out the salary and I'm going to take him. Joel Rip Knox for me a couple of rounds ago in this format. We can't do it. I love the format. And so it forces me to go down to a guy that I wasn't really thinking much about. He's missed two cuts recently, his last two, and he hasn't played uh, very well at either of them. It's not like he's been close, but Ryan Palmer back in 2020 mm. finished in 17th here in 19. He finished fourth, really good win player. All those Texas guys are. Plays in the wind a lot back at home in Dallas. And so uh, I'm going to go with Palmer at 7,900. Like I said, if I'm making my own lineup here and I just have this much left to spend, I like Knox better. I like McCarthy better at 7,800. But I'm going with Palmer at 7,900 since those guys aren't available. Yep, you put me in scramble mode. That's why I teed up to make me my last pick. So now I got to – we got to reshuffle. Okay, I'm, I'm – uh... And so while you're thinking of that, Joel, I'll buy a little bit of time for you. I, by the way, I love the Ryan Palmer pick. And speaking of Ryan Palmer and a couple of other guys that were asked about in the chat, somebody commented on Grayson Sig. Um, somebody said thoughts on – Todd said thoughts on Woodland. Edward uh, was talking about Sig. Wait for our outright and first-round leader plays, which are going to come just in a couple minutes, because one, two, or three of those guys may be making an appearance on, on my list. Me too. <laughs> Excellent. All right, I've settled on my pick here. I had to reshuffle. Um, and I'm going to go with a guy who's been playing well. He hasn't had much success here in his career, but he's been playing well. I'm going to take the recent form. I'm going to take a chance on Brandon Todd. All right. 7,500. I'm not using all my salary, but that's okay. Uh, I think Brandon Todd doesn't have too many weaknesses. He's got a good all around game. He shouldn't, uh, you know, he's going to avoid bogeys, he's going to make some putts. If I can get him uh, striking the ball well, playing well off the tee, I think he can compete, get me a top 20 this week. Yeah, I like um, it. Brendan Todd is a guy that Nick and I talked about a bunch just a little bit ago on our show. So uh, he's in agreement with you on him. I know that he has him in a bunch of different markets this week. So uh, I like the play. I, I think that a guy like Brendan Todd, Chris Kirk, um, you can name a couple other guys in that mid seven Lucas Glover in that mid $7,000 range. We kind of see them priced there every single week and this is a much weaker field. So I think there's a little bit of upside on, on some players like that. Uh, we're already, I'm already getting pushback from team audience with we'll trade you Lowry for Todd. Like, just relax everybody. We'll just, let's just ride this out guy. <laughs> All right. I will wrap us up then. Um, I mean, one of the players that I'm not going to go to because he's in the 8,000s, I just want to mention him that I'm surprised nobody took him, uh, would be Brian Harmon. I really like Brian Harmon this week. I think he's a guy that uh, I'm surprised one of us didn't take. Um, for me, though, I, I kind of only have a couple options, and 
it's in one ear out the other, I guess, from what Jason said earlier about Daniel Berger. And I'm going to pretend like the back feels fine going into this tournament, but uh, it is a very volatile lineup. I mean, Fowler and Wise and Kirk even, and, and now Daniel Berger, but I'm going to take all the upside guys that I can find and, and just try to put something together here and, you know, and hope that even though it is a little bit of a chalky lineup, that there's enough spots where I got different and, and people aren't going to want to take as much risk this week. So I'm going to wrap it up with Daniel Berger and, and hope that the back is okay. Because if it was, I could see him being the favorite in this field. And, you know, it's kind of the unknown right now. Maybe Jason knows more than, than I know on this. Uh, and maybe there's a real problem with the back, but I'm going to hope that the back ends up being okay. So prior to Phoenix, after he had WD'd from Pebble Beach, where he was the defending champion, I, I spoke with him. It was Wednesday, midday in Phoenix. We we're doing a Twitter spaces. We're live. I don't know if you've seen these spaces thing, but I was doing it with the PGA Tour and through Golf Bet. And I said, you know, hang on for a minute. I'm going to go get some breaking news. And I walked down the 17th fairway with Berger. I said, hey, you're on Twitter spaces. I don't know what it is either, but uh, basically we're on here live. So, you know, don't say anything bad. And so we sat there and talked for five minutes, got a little update on him. And he seemed in good spirits, seemed optimistic about his back, got treatment. He said that if Pebble Beach the week before had been a major championship, had been another bigger event, he would have been able to give it a go. It was mostly precautionary. So now we're talking two weeks past that. I've got to think that he's feeling okay. This one means a lot to him, sleeping in his own bed. This is where he first started going to PGA Tour events and seeing some of the stars on the PGA Tour. This was his first, I believe, title contention, oh, back eight, nine years ago, a long time ago when uh, I believe he got into a playoff before he'd ever won on tour. So uh, there's a lot of good things for Berger lurking here. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about the back this week. Well, I took him at Pebble Beach during the draft before he pulled out of the tournament. I took him first overall. The pick can't be worse than that. I got him last this time around, so we've come full circle in that regard. I love it. That's a wrap on the draft. Fans, audience, tell us which team you like. Drop it in the chat. Who do you think's going to take it down this week? Um, a lot of good teams here. I think it's going to be a competitive week. I think all the teams look pretty solid. Uh, again, drop us a note. Tell us which teams you're liking. Before we wrap up today, though, we're not done yet. We are going to tell you, as promised, we got the outright market. We got the first round leader market. Let's kick it off there. And we'll start with Spence. Spence, you got anywhere in the outright market you want to break down for us? Well, I'm going to try to make it three in a row. Had uh, Scheffler, had Neiman last week. Don't love this card as much, but we're going to see what we can do with it. So I started with Jonathan Vegas at 60 to 1, Aaron Wise 50 to 1, CT Pan 70 to 1, Brian Harmon 40 to 1, Chris Kirk 70 to 1. And I'm still trying to make a decision right now if, if I want to add Ricky or if Daniel Berger can drift up to maybe 18 to 1. I might close out the card with him. That's a little bit more exposure than I would care to have if I go that route. But uh, there will probably be one more bet added between either Fowler or Berger to wrap it up. I love it. I love it. See, how about you? Who you look at in the outright market? So I'll start with Keith Mitchell at 35 to one. Uh, so Gary Woodland is a really interesting case for me. I think uh, I'm waiting for the emergence of Gary Woodland. And I know he's been really bad off the tee. And that was kind of one of his, one of his that was kind of his trademark. 
I'm looking for a bounce back really soon. And I, this might be the course. This might be the situation for him. So I don't know how much I'm going to be playing him in DFS, but I'm kind of like hedging the non-DFS plays with an outright or maybe with the top 20, depending on how I want to play it. But the outright number on Gary Woodland is 65 to 1. So uh, pretty big fan of that. So I'm going to have that one. Um, I should probably backtrack a little bit. Cameron Young at 55 to one. That's another guy I likely won't play in DFS, but I might have some liability on in the outright market. Um, two more guys. One is, uh, there's a couple of young guys I like in this tournament. One of them is going to be a first round leader and one of them is going to be outright. Grayson Sig at 70 to one. I like quite a bit. I mean, if you look at, at his odds and you look at his DraftKings price, I mean, it should kind of jump out at you that among a lot of these younger guys, he's kind of towards the top of the list, not at the top of the list, but towards the top of the list. And I, I think that should tell you something. And his metrics certainly tell me something as well. So I'll take Sig at 70 to one. And then my long shot outright is Aaron Rye at hundred to one. I love it. I'm going to give you for my, I'm going to give you two long shots uh, that I like. And one of them is Jason's boy that he drafted. I like Sam Ryder at 140 to one. I think you're getting a really big number there with someone who's been playing really well. You know, the the struggle with him is that he can avoid a blow up day if he can somehow find some consistency. He, I think, he can really compete this week. Um, also at a hundred to one, uh, I like Stuart Sink. You know, we've seen Sink been playing well uh, in his older years in his career. I think this is a course that he can compete. At. I, I think I like him more maybe in the outright market than I'll be playing him in DFS. But I'll take a swing on him at a hundred to one. I think that's a really good number in this field. And my last play, I know you guys don't like it this week, but again, I just think this, he's the best golfer in this field. I like Brooks Kepka at 20 to one uh, to win the tournament. <laughs> so uh, correct me. I don't like it, but I never go against Joel. So maybe I like it now. All right. I'm, I'm going to piggyback a few of these things. First of all, Sia, you had mentioned Sig. I love Sig for first round leader. If you go back and look eight of his last nine, Opening rounds have been sub-70 scores. The only one he didn't shoot below 70 was at Torrey Pines. Just happened to play the south course first, the north course second. If they'd flipped him around, he'd have nine straight that were sub-70. And so his scoring average in the opening round, about two shots lower than in each of the following three rounds. But the only problem, Sig's playing in the afternoon. I like targeting guys this week uh, as opposed to the last few weeks. Last few weeks kind of warms up later in the day on the west coast. Uh, this time, the wind is going to start kicking up later in the day. It looks like maybe even a full club wind that's going to be blowing through there later in the day. So I'm going to target guys in the morning. I may uh, I, I may pivot over to Mito Pereira, who's got a morning tea time and a decent first-round leader number instead of SIG, but I'll probably have a little SIG investment as well. As far as outrights, four guys who are sort of in the same space, the 40-to-1, 60-to-1 range, I I mentioned Hayden Hoot, really like him this week. I'm going to have uh, probably the biggest investment on Hayden Hoot this week. Alex Noren, who I drafted on that team. Brian Harmon, who Spencer said, love his uh, wedge game around the greens. He's so good, such good hands. And Russell Knox, who we talked about already. And then two dart throws with big numbers next to their name. Sam Ryder, you guys mentioned him already. I've got him on that team, and I like him. And also Dylan Fratelli. There's some upside on Fratelli in his last 12 starts. He's missed the cut six times. You say, okay, well, that's not good. But the other six times, he's been top 30. So there's a high floor, low ceiling there. If I'm throwing a dart at him anyway with a big number, why not? I mean, you know, I might as well take a chance on a guy that's got a little equity up there to be on the leaderboard. I love it. I mm -hmm. love it. And now to close the show is where we make our real money. Um, Sia has been 
absolutely on fire on the first round leader market. He's been hitting. I don't want to butcher the number. What do you hit? If you hit on every tournament but one in the calendar year? Well, if you include outrights, it's everyone but two. But uh, the first round leaders is three out of the last six. I didn't hit it last week. It was actually Spencer who hit it last week uh, with Joaquin Neiman. All right, I'm getting so, ready for this. Based on that, <laughs> my suggestion is mortgage your home, put every dollar you have on this bet because it's a lot. There's no way you're going to lose. Obviously. Money for something that's obviously going to happen. So you, you, there's not enough money you can possibly put on it. I'm going to defer my picks to see it because I've already seen <laughs> and whatever Sia picks win. So why even make them? Let's just take what Sia thinks and we all make money. So I defer. Spence, who do you have in the first round leader market? Uh, I'll give a couple. I'll release my full card. I, I like to run some numbers on Wednesday just to get the complete card finished off. But the three guys that caught my eye, Ricky Fowler at 70 to one, Chris Kirk at 85 to one and Jonathan Vegas at 55 to one. I love it. And Jason, who are you, who are you looking at here in, in the first round leaders? Yeah, so I sort of I, I got a little ahead of myself there, but yeah, Grayson Sig was the guy that I was looking at for first round leader, but I'm gonna give a little edge to those guys in the morning wave. So Nito Pereira is one of the guys looking in the morning wave that uh, I'll take a look at. Haven't totally gone through the tea times yet, so there might be some other guys. I would I'd kind of look at sort of some of the guys I mentioned, some of the guys I drafted, even some of the guys I played outright already. If they've got morning tea times on Thursday, I might take a look at them for FRL. I love it. And Sia, please educate us. How are we getting rich this week? So there's one guy I am looking at. I got to I gotta verify one guy's odds before I give you the, the first round leaders. And I see him. Yeah, that's too short. That's no fun. Okay, so I've got, let's see, I gave you five outrights and I'm going to give five first round leaders as well. I love the Grayson Sig call at 65 to one, even though I think you, Jason, you mentioned it was in the afternoon, which... It's, it's a great point. I'll, I'll be honest. Half of my guys are in the afternoon, half of them are in the morning. So we'll see how it's that plays out. It's the only thing I don't like about them. And really, I mean, it's not a major deal. I probably make too much about it than it really needs to be, but it's a little thing. Well, it's true, though. There's certainly typically an edge to, to the morning players for a variety of reasons, but, but certainly this week it, it makes sense. So let me start with all right, I'm going to give you Johnny Vegas at 50 to 1, which Spencer appears to be on. And I think the, the whole audience community like was on that too. They mentioned uh, Vegas as a first-round leader. Uh, Ryan Palmer at 65 to 1. Austin Smotherman at 80 to 1. That's another young, young kid I like. Um, he has like a similar game, but a similar profile as Hudson Swafford, as a matter of fact. Like Swafford has been really, the ball striking has been great, but it's that short game that's really been killing him. Probably his whole career, but certainly in the last 24 rounds. Um, you could say the same about Smotherman. So if the short game comes into play, uh, you know, it might be a problem. But if he's just really ball striking the heck out of it in round one, you know, you're in business here. Uh, and I'm going to go with Sam Ryder at 100 to one. He also is the morning wave, FYI. The other three guys I mentioned, which, of course, were Vegas, Palmer, Smotherman, they're, they're more in that app, sort of that afternoon wave. So Ryder's in the morning. And this guy is also in the morning. And Jason just spoke at length about him, it kind of profiled a story about him. I like him. He's been making cuts at a great rate. The metrics rate out really well. And I think this is a guy, and I always talk about this. I think this is a guy that is sort of on the ascent. And I don't think we have seen, I don't think he's at the pinnacle yet. I think he's continuing to rise. And we're going to find out over the next year or so that this is like a legitimate golfer. He's 80 to one. And he is going to be your first round leader two days from now. I'm telling you what's going to happen in the future. Two days from now, Aaron Rye, at 80 to one is going to be your first round leader at the Honda classic. There you have it. There it is. It's a lock. That's a wrap. It's as easy as that. Um, 
Put your bets in. We're going to make some money. We have fun. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. It was a blast drafting with you. Couldn't have had a better guest on to do the draft with us. Uh, any last words for the fans? Uh, please invite me back. This is a, so much fun, guys. I really appreciate it. Love it. Thank you. Um, I think that's a wrap for tonight. See, did I miss anything? So, Jason, there's this one thing we do at the end of the show. It's it's really okay. near and dear to our hearts. It's very important to us. And by the way, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, it's uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. This is one of those things I think everybody is naturally going to enjoy. You saw all the participation by the audience. We yeah. love how how they they come in as well. And I'm confident that their team is going to be great. But anyway, the last thing we do, Jason, uh, before the show ends, is just this sort of this tribute to to golf and sports 